This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hi and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Louise and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Hi, I'm Swan, I'm alcoholic. AA preamble, Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share the experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is the desire to stop drinking there are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allowed with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy. Neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thanks, Simone. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. And this is what makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. 
Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. And we're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Simone, would you like to introduce yourself and uh, how, long have you been, how long have you been sober? Uh, Ten years, three months. Wonderful. And, and do you want to tell us how old you are? Uh, 52 Wonderful. in June. Wonderful. And um, do you work? No, I'm a student. Oh, wonderful. And do you have uh, family, kids? Three children, yes. Brilliant. And you're, uh, are you from Christchurch? Uh, I live in Christchurch. I'm originally from Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. Moved to New Zealand in 2001. Wonderful, wonderful. So let's talk a little bit about your drinking when did you start drinking? Um, I was probably at an early age when I was about 12. Okay. Yep. And and um, what made you, as a 12-year-old, pick up a drink? Uh, well, my dad was an alcoholic, so I sort of, was a, to me, it was an all thing to do and to get into his good books, you know. I used to pour his drinks and, yeah, so that's what I did. And what did alcohol do for you? Oh, it made me really confident. Mm-hmm. It gave me that buzzy effect that I could do anything. And, um, you know, how did that drinking progress through your teens? Uh, well, it escalated, obviously, and, um, yeah, that was sort of my life, drinking, going to work, going to the pub. Okay. You know, that's all that cycle. Sure, sure. And um, And so, you know, you talk about drinking at the pub, but... You know, how else did you drink? Did you drink socially or alone? Most of it was done alone at home okay. by myself because, yeah, when I was 15, I moved out of home and got a flat. So, yeah, I was by myself anyway. So it's it was cheaper to drink at home. So sort of drink at home for a bit and then go out to the nightclub. And at such a young age. And, um, and so was it binge drinking or daily drinking? Daily drinking. Yeah, okay. And, um, you know, what did that do for your mental state? Well, I didn't have time to think about that. Right. Because it was where I was going to get the next drink or when work was finished. Mm-hmm. So I could go home and start again and mm-hmm. just forget about all my problems. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and did you ever feel at any time that it might be a problem? Uh, yeah, I think my friends were more concerned about me. So I went to my first AA meeting um, in Zimbabwe, when I was um, a teenager, she took me there because she was quite concerned. Wow. And um, I only went with just to keep the peace. Sure, but sure. But it didn't mean anything to me. And um, and so you didn't ever try to stop on your own? No. no, because it was all around me, you know. My dad was an alcoholic, and growing up, that was sort of the normal thing to do when you, you know, the kids were there to just, you know, do their own thing. And um, back to, back to this first AA meeting when in your in your teens, you know, how did you hear about AA? Uh well, I didn't. She, <laughs> my friend, told me about right. it, and um, so I went along, and that's the first time I knew about it. But then when I watched some movies, you know, they had like the same meeting that I'd been to in the movie mm-hmm. with the steps and all that on the on the wall, and I knew that it was a AA or um, meeting and mm-hmm. it looked familiar, but I, I just brushed it past because I wasn't ready to stop drinking. 
And so you didn't go back again after that first meeting? No, I didn't. No. And so let's talk a bit, a bit more about some of the consequences of your drinking. You know, you know what made you sort of realise you needed help? Uh, well, I moved across here in, um, to New Zealand in 2001 um, and I had, uh, my daughter was only 18 months and I was pregnant at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when my drinking escalated because I was by myself 24-7. Mm-hmm. And um, it was my way of coping with the world, and um, yeah, um, I was in a domestic, I mean, a, a violent relationship. Right. Uh, yeah, so my drinking took me to, I did it mainly at home when I moved here anyway. I lived on a farm, so I didn't have anyone around me, so it was easier to, to drink at home all by myself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and having young children, yeah. And speaking of, you know, young children and relationships, did it have any impact on, on your relationship with family members, with friends? Yeah, I didn't have any friends. Right. And um, basically just kept to myself. And just my life rolled around school, cooking food, cleaning the house, putting the kids to bed, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Then I gave birth to my son, um, yeah, and just went, and then in 2006 in October, uh, my dad went into a coma in Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. um, so I flew back home, and unfortunately, because of the time difference, he passed away, mm. um, and left, had to leave my children behind. Um, my other son had been born by then, so the three children stayed behind, and I flew back home. Mm-hmm. And And, you know, was that something, you know, that, you were drink, you know. You were drinking through this period. Uh, well, no, I didn't drink when I went back from my dad's um, funeral. Even though you know there was a long aeroplane flight and all that, I mean I was drinking heavily, but um, yeah, not so much on the plane because I kind of knew when I was in Hong Kong that he died, so mm. I knew what I was going home to. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was. It was very hard to handle by myself. Mm, absolutely. And, um, uh, you know, coming back to New Zealand, you know, carrying on with life, uh, and we talk about life on life's terms, um, you know, were there any consequences that got you in trouble with the law? Yep. Well, when I came back, my marriage split up. Mm-hmm. And um, in 2008, I got my first DIC. Mm. And, um, yeah, so... How did that make you feel? Uh, well, I'd been caught, you know, um, back home. It, you could drive and you wouldn't get caught. Right. You, you'd been drinking because the law, well, there was no law. Mm. Um, and so um, I lost my licence immediately for 28 days. And then I had to do community service work and bust my kids everywhere. So it was quite tough. And um, did that at any point just make you think... This isn't. This might be a problem. Yep, it yep. did, and um, well, Sips got involved, and um, I had to go to rehab okay. for three months. Um, my children went to Tomlin's home, and that was one of the requirements for me to go to rehab and complete it and get my to get my children back in my care. Wow! I had to do a rehab. Okay, and and so. Tell us more about that rehab. Is Was that your sort of first, other than your first AA meeting as a teenager, 
your first introduction to recovery as yeah. such? Yeah, no, it was. And um, it was really cool. Well, I didn't know what was going to happen, but obviously, you know, I, I knew that I'd mucked up big time and it was really hard when I said goodbye to the kids. Mm. They just knew that I was going to a place to get well mm-hmm. and they were still so little. Mm. Um, and so I was given tools and had classes during the day and basically stripped, call it a mask. So get down to like feelings and we were given tools to use. Um, but along the way I did drink a beer. Okay. When I was in rehab it was because I was having overnight care with my children and I wasn't ready for it. So I was self-sabotaged. Mm. So I had to phone my kids because my leave was cancelled and I can remember back then my son screaming because they weren't going to see me. Wow. So what was it then that, that ultimately brought you to your rock bottom, got you into recovery and you've been sober for 10 years now? Uh, well, it was my, I got a second DIC and I was facing um, six months in prison. Right. And I lost basically everything, um, my car, um, but more than that, my self-esteem. Like I was that desperate that I knew that if I didn't do something about it, I would go to jail. Mm-hmm. And just seeing the fear in my kids' eyes, I knew that I had to turn my life around. The first time around I'd done it as a dry drunk, but I didn't know at the time that that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went and did another seven months stint at rehab and my children went to go and live with their dad. Right. Um, and then I started to read the big book, um, go to AA meetings, but it wasn't very easy, the big book. I found it really difficult to understand, but um, the more I read and the more I heard at meetings, if I heard a certain page, I would go home and look up that page and read it. And so there was a willingness yep, to, definitely. to learn some more. Yep, Definitely. And um, and so tell us about those, you know, the first early AA meetings. What were the people like? Um, well, yeah, I mean, part of in, at rehab we had to go to, I think it was four meetings a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we all used to, like, go together if we could or we were lucky that we had meetings at rehab. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't share much. Um, when I was early in recovery, I didn't share hardly anything. I would just say, I'll just listen. Um, and then um, in 2015, I decided that I'm going to, because of the honesty part of it, um, when I lost complete care of my children and went to live with their dad, um, I became honest about my personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, because I knew that secret secrets kept me sick, so it was all the isms mm. that even though I was attending meetings, I still had all those running around in my head. So that's what I did, and I let my family know, and then I could c- continue, you know. And, wow. Um, yeah, it was, and that's how I try and live my life now, you know, being truthful, and sometimes, you know, the truth you tell people things and. It's really hard to be honest, but that's what I found, that I had to be honest sure. with myself if my recovery was going to succeed because I wanted it that desperate because I'd lost everything. And, mm. I, and when I looked around at meetings and people were so happy and they had all that clean time up, I thought I'll never get there. Mm. 
And so you talked about the big book being hard to understand. Um, you know, was sponsorship important for you? Yeah, no, definitely. When I was in rehab, I got a sponsor. Mm-hmm. And I had to phone anybody to ask for help, but I did. Mm. And um, and so having a sponsor, um, going to AM meetings, reading the big book and working the steps, action is a big one, doing service at AM meetings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, did that, and that was, you know, did that come easily to start with? No, definitely not because, well, I didn't know anyone and I, I'm quite a shy person when mm-hmm. I go out. And I also suffer with anxiety, so, um, yeah, I took on a few positions, and at the moment I'm um, secretary and and a literature person, Mm -hmm. Um, but just with what's going on in the world, you know, it's it's quite hard sometimes to to be a functioning Mm -hmm. person in recovery, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's just easier sometimes for me to, um, like the Zoom meetings, those are really helpful if I'm if mm-hmm. I'm battling all the AACDs that you get at yep. meetings, mm-hmm. you know, meetings on, on tape, I just put them in my car when I'm in my car and listen to them. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, so, you know, talking about staying sober, you know, what are some of the things you've done, um, you know, in times of difficulty? Uh, well, I've surrounded myself with friends that are in recovery mm-hmm. and when I'm feeling really struggling like at the moment I'm struggling due to a friend who was in recovery that passed away. Mm. And I surround myself um, with women's groups mm-hmm. and and up my meetings mm-hmm. and read the big book at home and my daily re- reflection and, and pray. I, I do a lot of praying and I also say the serenity prayer. And, w- and we talk about AA being... A spiritual program, not a religious program. What has that been like for you? Uh, well, definitely for me, the spiritual part. When I go to an AM meeting, um, it tops me up, mm-hmm. and um, because you can read the big book and do all those things at home. But for me, if I, you know, sit at a meeting amongst other fellow AAs and I listen to their journey, then it's like, oh. And something sinks in at that meeting, mm-hmm. so you always take away something to help you in your, in my recovery. Um, yeah, so that's why um, I like to mix and match my meetings, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that um, that spirituality is 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 filled, so sure. that I don't feel like when I get when I stop going to my meetings, then I know that I'm in trouble. And and so. Again, you know, talking about um, a higher power, um, or or you know, some people refer to to God. Um, you know, what does a life on a spiritual basis look like for you? Um, well, definitely, when I was at rehab, my higher power was just a stone because hmm. that's all I could focus on hmm. um, until I got rid of and worked on all my my things daily mm-hmm. and then my high power who, who for me is God mm. um, it's not a religious thing but it is for me because you know that I'm a Christian so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it helps I suppose but when I was you know sometimes I go back to just 
relying on nature or something mm. because there's times when, yeah, when I'm really down and out. Mm. And um, how would you how would you describe yourself today? Uh, well, I know myself better mm. and I can pick up my trigger points. Mm-hmm. Um, I live a life of recovery and honesty now. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just do the same thing every day because it's just for today. It's a 24-hour program and I'm lucky to have a program in my life because mm-hmm. otherwise I don't think I'd be able to cope. And your relationship with your family and with your, with your children? Uh, yeah, well, at the moment, um, I have two of my children in my life. Wow. My son and my daughter live with me. My, mm. my daughter's just come back home, so that's really special. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, my other son, I don't see him, but that's okay. Um, and, um, yeah, I have a close um, relationship with my stepmom, mm. who was married to my dad, um, and she lives in New Zealand, so... Um, it's really cool that I've got someone in New Zealand to talk to because mm. um, most of my family are overseas. That's wonderful. And um, Simone, what, what would you recommend for any listeners that think they may have a drinking problem? Well, um, to phone um, the 0800 number, mm-hmm. um, a helpline, um, if they know of a friend or if they look at the meetings list definitely to get to a meeting go with a friend or and just you know do 90 meetings in 90 days Mm. Uh, that's what one of my counsellors from rehab told me before I left Mm -hmm. and that's what I do um, whether it's public holiday doesn't matter what day it is there's always going to be an Mm. A meeting somewhere Mm. Wonderful. And I guess what questions would you recommend that someone could ask themselves if they're having trouble deciding whether they need help? Well, for me, I know that I I was in trouble when when it goes to the law and you get DICs and mm. you have to go to the courts, then, yeah, definitely you're in trouble. Mm. Um, and obviously relationships, your family... Mm. So just to ask themselves, you know, that, you know, what do I do? And, um, yeah, the best thing is to just, as I say, just go to an AA meeting and and it's focus on the similarities mm. um, and that you will find a solution just by going to an AA meeting and, um, and definitely getting a big book yeah. and reading that and, and getting a sponsor. Um, just the three basic things, you know, and and working the steps, the action is really important because you can do all that and just go to meetings, but it's the action mm. um, that's really helped me mm. to stay connected with um, other people that are in recovery. Wonderful. Well, Simone, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Thank you. For our listeners, if you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. 
Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business, but if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with the serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.